Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name's Peter Howard at pahowdy.com. No, just at pahowdy on Twitter. And this is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. This one's late. Um, it's late because I've been trying to, I don't know, what's the word, re-envision the podcast? I don't know, reframe it, something, um, to make it more stable. Like, uh, I'm having a lot of fun just leaving it as a loose forum where I bring up any old, any old thing that I think's interesting, and I kind of want to keep that vibe. But I need a little bit more structure, um, mainly just so I think anyone that is listening knows roughly what's going to happen when they turn up. Now, I'm still going to keep up every now and again. There'll be an interview with one or several people, um, and that's the episode that will drop every week. And I, th- I think I'm going to keep it one episode a week where my, my schedule, especially in season, is just I, I, I can only fit one in. Sorry, um, but I definitely want to make it more structured. So, since we're a dynasty podcast, and most of my content and takes kind of revolve around that, while trying to merge in season and redraft, um, especially with week to week decisions being so important uh, during the season. Um, but I think I want to stick to dynasty moves. Um, now this will take a different form every week, where I do like. I, I like the freeform nature of it, but things that we should be doing at Dynasty at this point in the season. Now, in the off-season, we're going to continue cranking out or trying to do evergreen content or remind ourselves of what works, what doesn't, general rules, look at myths um, that guide people's decisions that probably shouldn't be used and some that maybe should be used but are still more myth and f- uh, fact. But during the season, especially at this point, um, going into week eight, you're probably watching week eight games right now, actually, by the time this drops. Um, I want to stick to the Dynasty Crossroads is going to look at an issue or a change um, that's happened in the recent season and what we should do about that in Dynasty. Now, obviously, as we constantly like to frame it, um, whether you're winning or losing or contending or not contending changes the moves you're making and I want to kind of bake all that in. What do you do in week eight with Denzel Mims if you're losing and if you're winning? Now, I, I'm late this week so I was really trying to get all of this structure built before I released a podcast but I haven't quite done it and past my you know weekly scheduled Saturday release. So um, I've kind of got a hodgepodge here for you, which I'll explain in a minute. I do want to point out, I think this will work well because I write a target share article every week, so I can just bring that in, and that's part of what I want to do this week. We usually look at player usage and how it's changing, and then I put a dynasty spin on what that means for us, since we're not strictly just playing a week-to-week game, we're playing a year-to-year game. Um, And I think that'll work. And also it means I don't... We're still not, you know, weekly actionable content. Like, this is the streamer you need to start this week against 
defense X because splits suck. But also, um, it can be untimely, right? You don't have to worry about a dynasty move being conducted on a Saturday or a Thursday or a Wednesday. It's more get it done this week, maybe think about doing that this month, where it's a longer-term game, and so we're definitely fit into that vibe as well. Um, so yeah, this week what I want to talk to you about is the players that I highlighted in my Target Share article this week specifically, and one that I didn't get to mention because I kind of noticed him after the fact. So it's kind of a like a, a rip-off J.J. Sagarison's 10 transaction podcast or article or whatever, um, but specifically baking in Dynasty ADP because we're, we're just about to get um, the mock dress going at DLF or Ryan McDowell is for uh, October ADP uh, or November ADP rather. We don't have that yet, so I'm still working with last month's ADP, which means players like Denzel Mims, for example, and um, the data's kind of got a lag effect. But that's also why Dynasty isn't immediately always actionable. It's just watching the trend and trying to time it right for yourself in your league. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, I highlighted, uh, how many was it, six five or six players in my target share article this week and went pretty in-depth on their production. So I want to run through who I found most interesting with high usage or changing usage um, through the first seven weeks, specifically after week seven happened. Um, And just roughly what I said about them and how their ADP has changed recently, but not as recently as we could. And where the new ADP is about to be pushed out, I'm thinking that's the best time to really change this format into something a little more structured, and specifically looking at running back wide receiver, one position or the other, players who are changing in their value, and from a dynasty perspective right now, that we can try and make uh, a longer term play on. All right, so um, the first article... Oh, the first article, the first guy I mentioned in my article this week, um, there was a new player in the top 12 in terms of target share, and that was Denzel Mims. Now, this is because he's only played one game. Um, and as I'm constantly mentioned in the article, you know, once you get a bigger sample size, it's harder to maintain a 30% target share. But through one week, um, he did have a 32% target share. Now, the upside of this is finally Denzel Mims is on the field. Finally! Thank you, Jets, for doing something. Anything. Um, to make me happy this year. Um, now, the downside of this is everyone now remembers who Denzel Mims is. If I'd started this new structure last week, I might have mentioned Mims already as someone who was falling in value because his ADP has actually dropped um, over a round, I think. Um, according to last month's ADP, he's dropped from 107 uh, to 99. 95 in August, and now he's 107. Yeah, so those are overall ranks. So he's dropped about 12 spots, which is almost an entire round. Which, you know, is way too early to drop a player an entire round in terms of dynasty value. For me, personally, I get the consensus where other rookies are being more impressive, and you've got uh, Fulgram and other players coming up, and so someone has to fall. But Mims is someone who's high enough as a rookie. He still is a rookie, um, and we hadn't seen anything yet. And where we're waiting for a full season's worth of data, I'm still not completely down on the players who haven't been able to get on the field yet. And we'll talk about whether we should or shouldn't be down on players just because they were injured in the offseason in those Myths and Legends types podcasts when we're looking at evergreen content. But for now, Mims is finally on the field. And um, what do we do with that in Dynasty? Well, it's a little harder to buy him right now. But if we dig into his production a little further, um, this year his production, I think, is probably going to be more muted than anything else. And I hate to just level a plain the Jets suck take at this. 
but the Jets suck. Um, if he had scored every point given to him by his volume or the expected points that were thrown his way in terms of targets and volume based on Rotoviz's uh, expected points formula, um, he would have had 13 fantasy points. Now, obviously, we hope players can be more efficient than the value they're given on a, on a week-to-week basis, at least, because efficiency like that's hard to sustain. Um, but good players tend to average being more efficient than an average player with their volume. So even if he'd hit that mark, 13 points wouldn't have blown us away. I think, I hope Mims can develop into a player, because I like his rookie profile from college so much, where he's, you know, producing a lot more than that um, in his good weeks. But I, I think that just speaks to the muted power of the Jets' offense. Now, his dot this week was 2.6, and if you're unfamiliar with dot or average depth of target, that's really low. Like, Juju Smith-Schuster's got an average depth of target of, like, 6 right now, and I've been tilting my face off about it all season and ranting about it to everyone that will let me. Um, it, it, it's really low. The thing about week-to-week stats, and this is just one week with Mims, um, they change drastically. Actually, you kind of lose all faith in the stability of stats if you track them and look at them uh, week over week. And in fact, you can, in that yearly 2020 stat database I'm producing for this article and releasing on Patreon and Twitter, which is free to go look, I've got the week-to-week stats and the season-long stats, so you can see the difference between Juju's 6A dot, and then you'll see it varying between 2 and 8 on a week-to-week basis, kind of wildly. Now, A dot actually does remain fairly stable within a margin of error on a week-to-week basis, so it's not the best one to make this case for, but, but I just did. So, um, the long and short of it is that 2.6 A dot won't stand. A wide receiver with a 2.6 A dot, like, yeah, not even, not even, um, uh, Josh M- Malone, who I did like at one point on the Jets, um, was going to sustain uh, this, these wacky A dots, um, that the Jets sometimes throw out on a week to week basis. So it should increase, but it does seem initially like his usage is going to be close to the line of scrimmage, which puts him in co- uh, competition for his role with Jamison Crowder. Now, I still think Mims can get to, you know, average good rookie season with 10% share in that role, but I'm really hoping he can push out into a further A dot and try and challenge uh, someone like Bashard Perryman um, for that kind of role. Now, the reason I wouldn't be too concerned with him playing close to the line of scrimmage is because Braxton Berrios is getting an, a significantly large target share in decent weeks. And I think he can, if he can't outcompete players like Braxton Berrios, that's a down, that's where the down signal comes for his dynasty value. Maybe this guy wasn't the highest ex- isn't going to meet the highest expectations I had for his rookie profile, but it's just one game, and through one game, he certainly did. He just, he snuck up and took them, them targets laying on the ground, like vacated, vacated targets where the play was still there. I still hate vacated targets. Um, so yeah, I think it's overall positive for his dynasty value. I think his, AD, his ADP is going to rise with this new input um, of November ADP, which is a problem for those who might want to acquire him. Um, so I've started this a little late for Mims, but I think it will come down. I think the Jets is just so pee-poor um, that uh, his production won't match the volume and the the improvement in his role that I expect or hope to see for a player like Mims on the Jets' offense, even in this situation, even in a rookie year. So we're going to keep watching it. Now might not be the best week to go send a trade offer. And next week, hopefully he doesn't, you know, fully 
commit to breaking out uh, in terms of PPR fantasy points and then his EDP will settle a little bit. It won't decline because the consensus, the majority aren't, they're not bad. The, the majority is fairly efficient, as I've mentioned before, in terms of uh, player value, especially for rookie wide receivers. They're going to hold him in and around a 12-spot range like they did last year, despite the fact he hadn't gotten the last month, despite the fact he hadn't gotten the field. But I always think that value is, there's an element of value that we forget to think about in Dynasty, which is where his value has, isn't low, but people are willing to sell him at that value. Um, and I, I refer to that a number of different ways, but especially when typing ADP to trades, ADP doesn't necessarily speak to the ease with which you can trade a player for that value. And I think if Mims has another decent volume, low fantasy output week, then his value is going to be attainable in trades. Right now, I think people are just, let's see week two. Let's see if this increases. Um, And so it might be a difficult spot. But uh, yeah, that's where I am on Mims. That's roughly what I said in the article. Um, Terry McClellan was the other guy I wanted to highlight. I've mentioned him a few times in my Target Share article because I can't not moon dance on my own face like I can't not stomp on my own face whenever I get a chance Terry McLaurin is looking like another exception to the rules of thumb for who is going to be and not going to be productive in the NFL to a level that we want for a significantly long period of time in Dynasty is there enough caveats in that sentence or should I add some more no I think we're good I think that covers it all um I look as I said in the article I don't know another way of explaining how good Terry McLaurin is doing this year, and if you if that if that strikes you like what Terry McLaurin's doing stuff, then yes, you need to go look at Terry McLaurin right now. And I can't think of a better way of highlighting how he, well he's doing, in that I would take any signal, any signal that his rookie year was a fake and his and his college profile was actually the truth, to come on here and say the exact opposite. Like I'm not I'm not hiding. I'm not hiding the fact I'm extremely biased towards I want to be right. Um, And the players I had on this list, like we we did a players I'm high on and low on just before the season started list according to ADP. And there were several wide receivers that I was like, if you believe in them, you still should, because this is mostly mm, me holding on to rookie profile, so I don't believe it. Um, Terry McLaurin was on that list. So far, he's the only one not doing badly pretty much compared to what we expected. DJ Chark was on that list. Feeling pretty good about not being all in on DJ Chark for a dynasty value, for example, but I'm talking about the guy who beat me. Yeah, Terry McLaurin is is doing amazing work. Um, remember, we are just talking about the Jets. Terry McLaurin is doing this on basically the Jets South or the Jets North or wherever they are in relation to each other. I honestly can't be bothered to put the brain power into it, but... Um, He's having amazing volume like Mims did last week, but being amazingly efficient with it like Mims didn't do last week and scoring like top 12 points per game, top 12 expected points. So all the opportunity you want week over week. He is killing it in a terrible situation. And I just concluded that section with, look, his rookie profile was a lie. He's an exception. He's a good player. This is going to keep happening. So if you're a contender or not a contender, I think the value on McLaurin might be soft right now. Now, the players with um, Terry McLaurin on the roster are probably the ones that are aware of how well he's doing this year. So it will be hard to trade for him. But I think 
especially if I'm not contending. That's when I start to really think about buying expensive wide receivers, and Terry should be expensive. And look, I'm just taking the L on that guy, I guess is what we call it, Um, because he's doing amazing in a poor situation for the second year. Um, he's, he's just been, he's he's just been pretty awesome. Um, he's 14th in yards per team pass attempt, which is a metric I actually love for evaluating players within a position. Um, and that's not pass attempt. That's just pure team attempt. Um, and that's 14th at the overall position, which given the amount of great wide receiver seasons we're seeing right now, that, that, that's a pretty high mark. He's also got a 33% red zone target share and is underperforming in touchdowns, so his value might even increase as the season goes on because he's still not doing everything even in Washington that he could do. So yeah, especially if you're looking to get some fluidic value and picks are off the table because people are getting more interested in training for picks. Training to wide receivers is also always my default second move. Um, and Terry may be, his value may be a little soft. I think whoever's got him is going to like him a lot and not want to trade him. But it's a little soft because he's just not getting the, the dynasty hype right now. It's all on the rookies, right? It's all on fancy, flashy new things instead of the fancy, flashy new thing from last year that, you know, I, I was wrong about. Again, to be very clear, I was wrong about. Um, Terry McClellan right now has actually risen in about eight picks in overall ADP between August and October. Um, that's less than a round difference, so he didn't stick up for me in that analysis. But again, given what he's doing, he's still being drafted like a 45th overall, so or 37th overall. So he's moved up eight picks, but he's still in that fourth round range. And like... He, he's doing really well. Like the player that the players that you imagine are jumping up into, you know, top two, top three dynasty startup range, like DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. Terry's kind of doing that in a worse situation. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. Um, and again, I suck. But anyway, um, the next guy on my list was Robbie Anderson. Um, Robbie Anderson is owed touchdowns. He's been owed touchdowns all year. And by that, I mean he should regress in touchdowns. But as I noted in my column, and this is a thing that can quickly switch over from he is underperforming in touchdowns, he should catch more touchdowns soon, to the team just put the usage somewhere else because he can't catch freaking touchdowns um, at the drop of a hat. But for right now, I'm still on the Robbie Anderson is only earning impressive volume in an offense with DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, who we saw show up last week, apparently still good uh, to some degree, not not as good as DJ Moore. Um, we love to forget when players prove that they're good. That's That, that was a the joke there. Anyway, um... Here's the thing. Um, Robbie Anderson's dynasty value has risen 59 spots since August. I think it's a sell now Robbie Anderson window in dynasty, especially if you're not pushing, you know, if you if you if you don't think you're top three power rank in your league right now, Robbie Anderson is a sell for me because um, you can get players with falling value that I think have this ceiling or a higher ceiling as Robbie Anderson has right now, to be fair. Uh, with more sustainable dynasty value. I think this is one of these players we're just impressed with, but no one really goes all in on. 
and uh, stuff like that. Now, his value will be a little soft because I think some people still, for this season, won't be able to admit that he's the number one in the offense. And long term, I too think it's going to be DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson is impressing the hell out of me this year, to be fair. So for 2020, I want Robbie Anderson. And if 2020 doesn't look like it's my year... I'm finding someone who can recognize that in my league, and I'm selling Robbie Anderson for value that I think is more likely to carry over. Robbie Anderson's increase, 59 spots in startup ADP from like 156 to 97. So still, you know, a top, what, 9, 10 round pick. Not extreme value. But if I can get a first and something, if I can move it into a player like Odo Beckham, Juju Smith-Schuster, these guys I think have more sustainable long-term value than Robbie Anderson. And this offseason, Robbie Anderson's going to be looked at. Everyone's going to forget the joyous feeling of his PPR points and how he came in and just fully cut DJ Moore, because some people love to hate, like me, um, or whatever. Um, his value is going to stabilize or drop, or it's going to become soft. So now's really the time I'd be thinking about selling him. If Again, only if I am not don't need wide receiver points because I ain't winning, um, kind of a thing. Now, a note on uh, Robbie Anderson's touchdown chair. I got tired of saying his yards per touchdown is too high. Um, and so I broke into the red zone database over on 4 for 4. Mike Davis is a hell of a volume hog in the red zone, by the way. He's got a 36% share of their red zone targets. He's the only running back with only 30% of a team's targets in the red zone. That's kind of crazy, but despite that, Robbie Anderson still has a 20% share of targets inside the red zone, inside the 20-yard line I'm talking about here. Um, And again, he's underperforming on those too. And again, that could switch over to the team just starts targeting people who can catch touchdowns. Um, Or maybe Teddy Bridgewater figures out how to hit DJ Moore with more regularity. But for right now, I still think it's a matter of Robbie Anderson's getting the volume and the usage and the yards. And touchdowns should be coming pretty soon. So you could also play it to wait for that touchdown or two and then try and trade him. Um, because he's getting fine points. He's a great wide receiver. He's a very good wide receiver, and he's a great wide receiver for 2020. This is more of a, if it's a long-term situation for you, Robbie Anderson is someone I'm selling is, whose value is increased, and I think that will become soft later. Um, the opposite side of the coin uh, is uh, Nikhil Harry. He's another player I mentioned in my article this week. Look, I think it's going to be underrated. It already is underrated. In fact, according to uh, the ADP of last month, so of October, um, Nikhil Harry's ADP had dropped, if I remember right. I forgot to highlight that one for myself. Hang on a second while I do some, you know, off-the-cuff editing. (sighs) I suck so hard. All right. Click, click, click. Yeah, Nikhil Harry's value has actually dropped 14 spots last month and that's when he was just getting decent volume and showing up with a really good sophomore year inside an offense which was kind of floundering with Cam Newton coming off the field Julian Edelman getting injured and the passing volume just being down in general but Nikhil Harry was pretty much just being impressive he had a great target share who has been reasonably efficient on it um, for a player operating um, at that depth of target. And if I remember right, he's got a very short uh, ADP as well. I didn't even look that up. St- Come on, Pete, get it together. 
yeah, his eight out is 6.4, so it's in that slot usage range of Juju Smith-Schuster, actually. But he was still getting, he's gotten 18% of the team's targets through the first seven weeks. He got injured last week, he's not going to play this week. The PPR points really haven't been there, but I think that's really a function of the low passing and kind of anemic offense in the last few weeks. And so Nikhil Harry's value dropped last month, despite having a really good rookie season in the things that I hoped he could be good at, which was his target share ultimately. And and also his yards per team pass or yards per team attempt. Again, that's low compared to a lot of players, but given where his A dot is, that's actually fairly efficient. The only other player the only player to be more efficient in and around his ADOT is Calvin Ridley. So, you know, that's not a terrible player to be playing second fiddle on at that ADOT. Um, in terms of efficiency and volume in yards per team attempt. So I think Nikhil Harry's sophomore year has been great. His value's dropped because the points have sucked despite it because of a low team passing volume. But this takes away the bad taste or some of the bad taste from his rookie season for me. Now, I still think the Tom Brady just didn't like him narrative. It's just a narrative. But for whatever reason, whatever narrative you want to fit in there... Um, in his sophomore season, Nikki Harry's proven capable of earning a significant target share and being good in the NFL uh, in terms of efficiency at his ADOT. And I just think his value shouldn't be dropping. It should be stabilizing. And it's dropped over a full round. And so, again, if I'm looking towards next year while I'm staring at week eight or week nine, Nikhil Harry is someone I'm starting to acquire again in Dynasty. I'm not throwing everything at it. He's not the player I want to go and get because I think his ceiling in the NFL has definitely dropped compared to what I hoped he could do as a rookie. But this sophomore season has been decent. He's not going to break out, though. He's not going to finish inside the top 24, which means there's a lot on that third year. It's kind of Corey Davisy, to be fair. But just a heads up, just just throwing it out there. Uh, last on the list is AJ Brown. This is this is a Terry McLaurin thing, but Ter- AJ Brown's actually on a good team. He missed some games, and it's Corey Davis season. We know this, but AJ Brown's been killing it. He's been doing as well as DK Metcalf. Calvin Ridley or any other wide receiver you just inserted inside your top 12 or top 5 in dynasty value like I think you know that I think everyone knows that but I don't think we feel that again this is about soft value I think AJ Brown is someone who will be valued as a top 12 dynasty wide receiver may even you may be even just dealing with someone smart enough since it's on their team to value him in the top 5 but it's not going to be as hard to buy as DK Metcalf right now, or Justin Jefferson, or um, any any of the great rookies whose names just jumped out my head this season, because he's not shiny in you. And I, I hate to use the same logic twice in the same podcast, but that's a thing. Shiny in you is a thing in Dynasty. Um, to put it into perspective, um, I did some quick comparisons for him this year. Compared to DK Metcalf and other players. Right now, this year, he has a higher expected points per game and points per game than DK Metcalf, who is a top five consensus dynasty wide receiver right now. Now, this isn't a direct comparison to DK Metcalf. Like, you should want him over. I want both. But doesn't it feel right now that AJ Brown's value might be easier to buy at that top five value than DK Metcalf? And no one wants to give you DK Metcalf. I think whoever has A.J. Brown, if you have something that can help him get over the edge 
um, in his playoffs. If you have a running back you can sell, like a Miles Gaskin, who I'm a strong buyer of if I'm contending right now, or a Giovanni Bernard, and you can throw a good wide receiver in there as well. Um, and maybe a rookie pick. Like, I think A.J. Brown's buyable even in season during a fantastic uh, sophomore. Sophomore. Sophomore, right? Sophomore year. Um, and he's actually performing at that level. So you're not even buying low. This is a buy high in Dynasty. And it's very rare that works out for a non-contending team. Or that's a move we try and do. Unless we're just throwing out uh, caution to the wind. And fully giving up on our team. Like a like a rebuild or whatever. So yeah, AJ Brown's really interesting to me for that reason. Because I just think his value is a little soft. Even though it might be accurate in the top 5, top 12 of Dynasty. Um, all right, uh, the last guy I got on my list here is Travis Fulgram. Fulgram has obviously increased a lot in ADP in that he has one. He finally has an ADP. He wasn't being drafted in uh, August. He is being drafted now. Um, he's still, you know, not being drafted very highly. He's like 258th overall, position rank 111, because he's 25 years old and came from nowhere, and people seem to have a hard time accepting that they didn't see him coming. I almost don't care that I didn't see him coming. Almost don't care that a sixth round pick did this, um, and I'll talk about what he did in a second. Um, and I didn't see him coming or even really know his name. Just I, I did not know his name. But he's got a twenty six percent target share right now. He's got a one point five eight or five seven, sorry, and um, uh, yards per team attempt, which is incredibly good for a wide receiver. He's doing not DK Metcalf things, but slightly one level below, he's being very efficient. Now, his production in PPR points has seemed to dwindle over the last few weeks, and Jalen Rago's coming in. And to be very clear, while I love lower-drafted players, I do, I think I'm first on the train to point out that, um, you know, their value drops reasonably um, fairly quickly compared to higher-drafted players. But, as I said in my article, if Jalen Rago had had Travis Fulgham's season... I personally feel, I don't know, because it's, it's a fictional world, but if that was happening, I think I would have him above A.J. Brown. I think I would have him above D.K. Metcalf. There would be so much confirmation bias and proof with his volume going in that I don't think I could stop myself ranking him that highly. I mean, maybe other people would be more sensible, but I think if this guy had first-round hype first round rookie attention um, or value in the league. That's what we'll be doing with him. His production's fallen recently. Jalen Rager's coming back. It's not a great situation for 2020 for him. So if you're looking to win this year, it might be a time to sell Fulgram. But long term, if you're thinking Corey Davis, even Tyra Williams, lower drafted player, so that's a better example, um, Jamison Crowder, this guy's proven capable of earning, maintaining, and being efficient on volume. Those guys are actually relatively rare in the NFL, um, and he looks to be one of the cheaper versions of it, because, yeah, he's going to get cut. He's going to have a rocky career like Tyrell Williams, where the teams don't really seem to want him to be the guy. Um, Cameron Meredith got injured. He's not a great example. And um, Jamison Crowder kind of is though. Robbie Anderson. Um, he could he could have a Robbie Anderson year if he ends up on a different team some point in the future. So this is a long term value. I'm going to wait for his value to kind of wallow in this 111 wide receiver ranking range. Right now, it feels like you'd have to give a little more to get him. But 
yeah, if I'm contending, I'm trading Fulgrim for a Gaskin or any other running back that I think can help me with my playoff push, even in Dynasty. Um, long term, though, I've got my eye on him. I will trade a second round pick when his value is or falls there or my team is no longer contending this year for Travis Fulgrim because I think guys that do this stand out this well, even on a depraved and deprived offense, um, are worth considering. And again, if you want to... Well, we've got great examples in this podcast and for, from this year. In Washington and on the Jets, you don't just become a decent volume hog with decent fantasy points because the offense has no one else good. Vacated targets are fake. They're fake, damn it. Um, read my articles. I've just realized I'm past 30 minutes. But, I mean, Washington and the Jets show you that you don't just get great fantasy player averaging 23 target share and a 1.57 teens per task attempt with a decent A dot. You don't just do this because the offense doesn't have anyone else, which, to be fair, during Travis Fulgham's reign, they haven't had anyone else. But he was pretty decent when Goddard was on the field before. He'll probably still be decent when Goddard gets on the field now. Long term, I think Jalen Rager's still the play, and his dynasty value's dropped a little bit, but not over a full round right now. But I would buy Jalen Rager for long-term value, um, but Travis Fulgram, he's someone I want to keep, he's pu- I'm putting him on my buy list, okay, if I had a list, I'm putting him on there, and when I see him as a possible add-on, or a second-round pick trade this off-season, I'm going to be interested in that, and I just want to put that B in your bonnet too, all right, so that's who I've got for this week, let me know what you think about the format, if I should be, if this is a good idea, I should stay loose and free, and um, you can hit me up at PA Howdy on Twitter or at Dino Crossroads on Twitter, because that's a podcast handle of the podcast. I keep forgetting to check. Or, you know, talk to me anywhere on DLF or, you know, send me smoke signals. Anyway, thanks for checking out, and I will talk to you again next week. Next week, you'll be on time, too. Probably. Thanks. Yeah! Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars. Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that eye like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.